Good morning. I hope that if you're visiting with us this morning, you were not hoping to meet our bishop, Stuart Ruck, or our associate pastor, Kevin Miller, or our canon theologian, Stephen Gauthier, because none of them are here. Welcome in the Summer Lay Leader teaching team. My name is Margie Fawcett. I'm very happy to bring a word to you this morning from 2 Samuel. By way of introduction, I've been here at Resurrection for many years. I've served on lots of different teams, including choir, prayer and healing ministry, women's ministry, and children's ministry. I'm also excited about a new group I started for the community this year called Widows Raising Children. I've been excited to see what God may do with that. I have two fantastic kids, and my parents are here, so welcome and good morning. I also love to tell a story about birds, and so I'm going to start with a story about a bird. I don't know how many of you like to look out your window in your yard in the spring and see what little feathered friend may be migrating by, but I love to do that. For me, it's like a giant Where's Waldo game, except you never know what Waldo is going to look like, and the searching field is like your entire county. But I love searching for birds in the spring, and last year... Our family got to see a magnolia warbler. Now, if you can just imagine this magnificent little bird, it is four inches from the tip of its beak to the tip of its tail. It weighs less than half of an ounce. It has beautiful markings like a black mask and a white eyebrow stripe and a black necklace, all on this tiny little bird. Where do you think... I may have gotten such a close look at such a tiny bird, you may be wondering. Well, on International Migratory Bird Day at Willowbrook Forest Preserve. Well, where do they get all these birds? Well, the birds that are traveling north toward Canada from Central or South America often use the Mississippi River and the Great Lakes to navigate their journey. There is even evidence to suggest that the birds use those waterways and the reflection of the stars and the moon on the water to guide their way. So you can imagine that the vast beacons of light coming from Chicago could be a distraction along their way. They're flying along with the northern lands in their hearts and bam, they hit a building. In come the Chicago Bird Collision Society, of which I aspire to be a member one day. These folks get up in the middle of the night and early morning during migration to gather up stunned or injured birds from the streets of Chicago. They scoop them up, they place them in a box, and take them to places like Willowbrook, where their wings and legs are mended and they have time to recover from the stunning impact. So someone that puts a little band on their legs, a bird bander, when he's finished weighing him and looking at his little tiny feathers and discovering what gender they are, I mean, don't ask me, that's beyond my knowledge, they hold the little bird, like with their feet, so the bird's sort of standing on their thumb so that you can get a picture of it. And then the best part, they look at my son and say, would you like to release this bird? And they put the bird in his little hands and say, go ahead, release it. And he opens his hand and off goes the little warbler, not just free from the box, but free to go forward, to go north, to find 
the great promised land of Canada flowing with milk and honey, or whatever it is that songbirds love to eat. Well, just like the birds making their migration over many miles, we long for that kind of freedom. We want to make our way to those glorious promised lands of sunshine and fruitfulness. We want to be a part of a movement greater than ourselves, a global movement that gets us to a wonderful destination and keeps us in community along the way. Many of these little birds do make it to the northern promised land without any incident, but many of them hit an unforeseen obstacle that prevents their free movement northward. They want to fly the beautiful skies, but they wake up in pain in a shoebox. And we who seek the freedom that Christ offers us, the journey to a beautiful place, often hit obstacles. We are not experiencing the freedom that we long for. We are stuck. Now when we meet up with David and the Israelites in today's lesson from 2 Samuel, we find the people fully entering into the land that God had promised them. The people had been living in the promised land for 300 years, but they had to wait for King David to conquer Jerusalem for complete victory. David conquered Jerusalem and called it the city of David. He made Jerusalem the seat of governance for the area, and he moved his whole family into the city center, including his wife, Michael. David has his royal residence in Jerusalem, and yet for him, the victory was not yet complete. And it would not be complete for him until he could bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. Why is the Ark of the Covenant so important to David and to the people of Israel? The Ark had traveled with them for hundreds of years. The Ark was a constant reminder that God was with them. Remember that after God delivered the uh, Israelites from the Egyptians, he led them and Moses then to the mountain where he gave them a set of laws written on stone tablets. Those tablets are in the ark. Also, for 40 years they wandered in the desert and daily God fed them manna. And that manna is in the ark. And then on top of the ark, between the wings of the cherubim, God's glory shone. The ark is the heart of the people, the tangible presence of God with them in all circumstances. Now, whatever David did, he did it with his whole heart. So he wanted to bring in the ark, he brought it in. He made it happen. He gave of his leadership, his administration of resources, for instance, to prep all the food, to get the streets ready, to communicate the route, the day, the time. And he also engaged his heart and mind to write a song for the day, which he gave to the musicians to use in the processional. We read and prayed some of this together in Psalm 105 this morning. Here is part of verse 3. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. David brought the ark into Jerusalem with rejoicing. Not only did he do his part to plan a fantastic celebration, he entered into it with his whole heart. He cut loose and even danced before the Lord. Verse 14 says, 
Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. He was free, free from the pressure to make the nation great because he knew that God carried them, free from the fear of what other people might think, totally free, holding nothing back. What a beautiful moment in the life of Israel. They wanted a king, and they got one. They wanted someone to lead them, and he is leading them in worship. They are all looking to David, and David is looking to the Lord. In preparing this lesson, I considered this question. With whom do we, the readers, most identify? And right away I thought, David, of course. When we see what it is that God is doing, we enter into it with our whole hearts. We devote all of our skill and passion, our creative energies, our leadership to honoring God and participating in his plan of redemption for the world. Really? And my second thought was a little less convinced. In the midst of this beautiful time of historic import, national excitement, true kingship, bringing in the heart of the kingdom, the presence of God. Not everyone is fully participating. Did you notice Michael? Why is it that all of Israel is down in the streets hoping to catch a glimpse of the Ark of the Covenant, wanting to be there on that historic occasion, hoping to see the king pass by? Why is it that all of Israel is celebrating And Michael is not there. We can't know all of what's going on for Michael because the text does not specifically say. But we do know that she grew up in the household of King Saul. And having grown up in a truly royal family, unlike David who grew up among sheep, Michael knew what it meant to be a royal family. I wonder if for her, the capture of Jerusalem and making it the city of David was just what she wanted. She now resides in Jerusalem as queen. Perhaps she would like to see David rule as regal, honorable, dignified, poised. And when she hears the procession coming through the streets, she looks out and sees David. Verse 16 says, As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. She despised him. Not only did she fail to show up for David's big day, she hated him. She is distant, removed, cut off, wants nothing to do with David or his procession. When Michael looks out of her window, she sees David dancing around and making a fool of himself. She cannot or does not see the movement of God. I wonder if we sometimes get stuck in a place of disconnection like Michael did. When Michael looked out, she saw what was happening on the street. She does not see the glory of the Lord. She does not see what God is doing. And don't we sometimes get hurt or offended by what we see here at church 
when we look out at the street level, what's happening right here among the people, and it prevents us from entering into what God is doing. I'll give you an example of when this happened for me. Two and a half years ago, our congregation moved from being a mobile church to having our own building. It was glorious. We had prayed for years for a building. We needed a place to call home, a place to anchor into ministry. I was thrilled having personally loaded and unloaded carts for children's ministry for nearly 10 years. I was the first one to rejoice at this great development. And the Lord has transformed this place into a place of worship. And our church has been set free to grow and deepen and broaden here. And yet, when we came to worship here, I felt my heart aching. I felt anxious and alone. I was surrounded by people joyfully worshiping the Lord and celebrating what he had done, and tears poured down my face. I feared there would be no place for me here. I felt a deep loss in leaving behind memories that were important to me. I had met and dated and married my husband in our previous space at Glenbard West High School. I'd been led into the presence of God through his leadership and worship. And then I watched him slowly make his way down the aisle to communion in the last months of his life. And then as a church, we honored his life there and celebrated that future day when we will all live the resurrection life together. I felt torn about moving into a new place. It was like leaving him behind. I felt afraid that there would not be a place for me here. Now, my logical mind knew that wasn't true. Of course there would be a place here for our family. This is the church. Of course God was doing something wonderful for resurrection. Of course the presence of the Lord would fill this place and feed us in this place. And I did eventually get there to embracing this work of God to entering into what God is doing at Church of the Resurrection. But it was not easy, and it was not immediate. I asked the Lord, reveal yourself to me. Help me. Show me what you're doing and how I can enter into it. I don't want to miss out what you're doing because of my internal pain. And the Lord spoke this scripture to me from Psalm 84. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. I would find a place here because God cares about me more than a sparrow. I will find a home here because my home is hidden in the presence of the Lord, and he is here. I can come and walk along beside the procession, even if I can't bring myself to leap or dance. Something beautiful was happening for resurrection, but what was happening inside of me made it hard for me to connect with that. Are there ways for you that what's going on in your heart or mind sometimes keeps you boxed in, not free to join what God is doing Something inside of Michael prevented her from entering freely into what God was doing. 
But what was Michael missing? Well, first she was just missing the community life, the energy and the joy and connection of celebration. But she was also missing out on a taste of God's work. The people could not have understood fully the meaning of this day in God's greater plan of redemption for the world, but they tasted it. They experienced the presence of God and the freedom of worship and joy and victory. You see, that day brought the culmination of an important part of God's redemptive plan. So if you can imagine God's overarching plan of love and redemption for all the world from the beginning of time to glory, there are three significant peaks that have to do with a king. And this is the first one. We see the entrance of King David into Jerusalem, bringing the presence of God, bringing victory over his enemies, celebrating the life of God. But that King David points us toward the second king that will come into Jerusalem, Jesus Christ, the true king, who processed into Jerusalem to give his life for us and to set us free from our enemies, sin and death. And Jesus, that point there, then points us toward the third peak, which is that day we all look forward to when Jesus himself will lead us in joyful procession into the new Jerusalem, where we will live in complete freedom and joy. God is at work. His plan is unfolding. Everyone is invited to this procession. It's God's work for all people of all times. But Michael wasn't there. In what ways might we be like Michael, missing out on participating in something magnificent? We can hear the procession. We can even look out and see the people. But we are not free to join. Maybe we've hit a building that keeps us from joining the movement of God that's right in front of us. I'd like to suggest two possibilities of why this might be. Pain and misperception. We all want to be connected to something awesome, something great. And most of us here today have been called to be part of something bigger than ourselves by being part of Church of the Resurrection. That getting close to the people in the church, rubbing shoulders closely, can stir up our pain and losses. As I shared, coming close to the joyful, worshiping community stirred up a deep pain and feeling of loss and loneliness. When you get close to people at Res, it may similarly stir up one of your losses. Maybe you'd like to be married, and seeing the engagement rings and the wedding announcements is painful. Maybe you're longing to have children, and being so close every week to crying babies and so many little ones is excruciating. Maybe you're divorced or your marriage is lonely and distant. The other marriages seem so vibrant and connected. Maybe you'd like to be further along or more successful in your career and you look around and you think other people have succeeded in ways that you have not. Getting close to people that have what you desire is painful. 
And the enemy uses these hurts to torment you, to turn the knife and make sure you will stay far away from the very source of connection in life that will transform your journey. Other folks keep the church at a distance because they've been hurt by the church and have not processed it. Maybe you were hurt by Bishop Stewart or Father Kevin and you haven't processed that through. Maybe your youth pastor left and you haven't taken time to grieve that. For some of us, we have in mind a promised land, but we have not reached it. We feel disappointed with the journey and with God. God is moving here, and you are invited to be a part. It will take courage to enter in when it is simultaneously painful. Ask the Lord for his help to connect with him here. The very hesitation you feel can be the bridge that he uses to break into your life. Come for prayer this morning and simply say, this is my hesitation to connect. Name it. Ask the light of Christ to shine there. Opening that place will bring a greater connection to the Lord, deeper connection to his church, and the possibility for joy. So one reason we may not fully participate in the freedom and life of God through the church is that it may stir up some pain. The other is a barrier of misperception. We ask ourselves, what does it mean to connect here? What does it take to connect with what's really going on at Res? Who are the really in people? Let's just make a quick list of who the really in people might be. Artists, writers, runners, vegans, homeschoolers, photographers, coffee aficionados. You fill in the blank. And friends, you can choose or not choose any of those things. Those are all fine and lovely things. They have nothing to do with what it means to be in a church. Looking at a church this way with people at an arm's length and sizing them up is living in a box. If you watch the procession from your window, you will likely find a reason that you cannot enter it. Until we come down from our room and actually join the procession, we are all left in our room with only our fears, our irritations, our grudges, our possible misperceptions, about what it would take to be a part. That internal monologue can divide you from others and keep you at a distance from the Lord and his work through his church. When we look at the people in the procession, we miss the real action, the movement of the spirit, the joy and the freedom. As long as we're looking at David and how ridiculous he looks, we will not see the presence of God and his movement of love through the people. I'm sorry to say that sometimes the perceptions we have about what it looks like to make the accepted choice has a basis in real experience. You may have had a conversation fall dead when you realized you were the odd man out of a certain group. About 20 years ago, a friend of mine asked a church leader here, are there any single working moms in this church? And this gal responded, 
no, I can't think of one mom that works at all. She's like, uh, that is not true. We mess up. We say things that are hurtful. We exclude people because they make different choices. We have conversations about others that we ought not to have. If you have had a conversation with someone in this church that left you feeling excluded or judged, I ask you to make a return visit to that conversation. I know this is not an easy thing to do, but it's the only sure way I know of exposing our thoughts to the light and finding freedom. You can simply say, this may not be true, but it seems to me that you think your choice is the best or only choice for a Christian. Is that true? The church is broken and has plenty of problems, but it is also God's chosen bride, bought by his own blood and the instrument of his choice to bring redemption to the world. Jesus pours out his life for us. He is here. Maybe you feel like one of those little birds in a box, You're boxed in by your own pain or your perceptions, but you're afraid to get out of the box and fly on. The Lord is here, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom in Christ for you to grow and become and flourish just the way God designed you to. There is nothing about your history or your current circumstances that prevents you from being a part of God's work here and in his church throughout the world. A few weeks ago, after that gigantic rainfall we had, I decided to take my kids for a walk on the prairie path. When we got there, we were amazed at what we saw. We had seen high water levels before, but once we crossed over the bridge, the path just disappeared under water. The river was flowing swiftly, fully. It burst its banks and flooded a huge area that is normally a path. Wow, and we just stood there and could not believe it. It was moving. Can we put our feet in? Okay, so we plunged our feet into the cool, swiftly moving water. Mom, can I go a little deeper? Uh, Sure. Uh, My daughter stepped out a little deeper. I kept thinking, I'm sure this is illegal. Can I go further, Mom? Well, just don't jump up. Just keep your feet on the ground. My daughter made it probably 30 feet out. Come on, Mom, it's awesome out here. I carefully made my way out inch by freezing inch. Can we dance? Oh, dear. Of course, I wanted to leap around in the water, but I didn't want to see my kids swept away. The three of us eventually made it to the deepest part to hold hands and jump up and down and dance in the river that used to be our path. I'm in my clothes, I'm in the river, la-ti-da, this is great, and this is terrifying. We loved the feeling of that rushing river all around us, and yet it was a little scary. Entering into the full movement of God is like approaching a swiftly moving river. We all have a choice here. We can stand at a distance and watch it whoosh by, 
where we can take off our shoes and step in. This is the kind of freedom that Christ invites us to today. Come on in. The water's fine. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask for an outpouring of your love and freedom on your precious people gathered here today. Even as we hear that water in the font, we turn to you, Lord, and step into the movement of your love and life through your church. For those here who have been hurt by the church, we ask, Lord, that you would cleanse and heal them. Speak your words of truth and life. Those who are hurting because they have unmet longings, draw them close to yourself. Deliver them from evil and the lies of the enemy that would seek to separate them from you. Where our church has sinned or hurt or excluded people, forgive us. I ask especially for freedom for parents to make choices for their families in freedom. Lord, I pray uh, this morning for anyone who um, feels themselves just with their toes in the river and there's a sense of, of longing, of desire, but also fear of stepping into the deeper waters. A fear of being wrong, of doing something stupid, of being um, foolish. And I pray now, Lord, that you would give um, uh, a deep inner sense of rightness, of an internal sense of freedom, to see you, Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, out ahead of us. It's standing in the water. And would you, would you give us faith to look at you, to see your eyes of welcome, to see your arms outstretched, inviting us into the work of your spirit, into the full um, glory, the living glory of your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for the marvelous work that you have done in so many lives that many here can rejoice and dance in the goodness of God. Lord, I thank you that you've done a healing work in so many here. I pray, Lord, for those that are um, thinking even now of a painful experience, a painful moment that um, is hard uh, to face. I ask, Lord, that you would give courage and a strengthening to each man and woman here to enter in, to follow you into um, that scary place where you want to do a new thing, where you want to bring a kind of freedom that we have never experienced or tasted before. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.